Salute. I'm here. Radio. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Born to Talk radio show. I'm your host, Marsha Witeka. Conversations plus connections equals community. Those are my three C's. The heart of my show is what's your story? It's my belief we all have stories. Some are similar, others are uniquely different. Storytelling brings the passions of my guests to life through our conversations. So be prepared to be entertained, informed, and inspired. Welcome to today's show. Well, Happy New Year, everybody. This is Season 3 for me, and it's my first show of the new year in 2020, which in itself gives us a vision, doesn't it? My show today will be a conversation about a very serious topic. It'll be about traumatic brain injuries and concussions, and my guests know a great deal on that subject. How can science and medicine reduce the negative impact of TBI? And concussions. And today's guests include Marcy Rogers. She is the CEO and founder of SpineMark. Welcome to the show, Marcy. Thank you so much, Marcia. It's my pleasure. Great. And joining Marcy is Dr. Jake Van Landingham. He is the founder and president of Prevacus. Welcome to the show, Jake. Thank you, Marcia. So glad to be here. Look forward to uh, learning some more together thank you absolutely and that is the truth it it is a it is a learning experience that we're all going to have today and i i always like to start the show with getting to know you i I always think of you know i i want to like break into a song getting to know you but i think it's important it's important to me to get to know a little bit about my guests and for the listeners to also get to know a little bit about you as well. So, Marcy, let's start with you. Can you tell us a little bit about your background? Absolutely. Well, um, I grew up in a large family of five, the eldest daughter, and uh, we lived on the Jersey Shore, actually. Um, I went to uh, graduate college in Fredericksburg, Virginia, at Mary Washington, and then did my graduate work at University of Virginia. That work and being there at UVA led to my medical career today, and that was because I met a pioneer, one of the first six physicians in the U.S., to do what's called craniofacial surgery on children with facial deformities. That became my life's work, and when I took that all away from a passion to an actual um, entity and organization and and patient advocacy groups all over the country, I then focused on um, cranial and orthopedic and spine-type issues. So it's been a journey, not an event, but it's been filled with many, many wonderful experiences with patients from all over the world. Wow, that's really, it's so wonderful when you can take a passion and follow that as you did into your career. You might not have even known you were going in that direction, but to have a passion for what you do, so many people don't. And congratulations for being able to to love what you do and do it well. And Jake, um, I think I heard a little accent back there. Um, can you tell us a little <laughs> bit about you, about your background, sir? Oh, yes, yes. I'm from the North Florida uh, region. I uh, live in Tallahassee now. 
certainly grew up on the farm, only about 40 minutes from uh, South Alabama and about 25 minutes from South Georgia, so right there in the triangle. So I sound uh, like uh, Alabama, Georgia folks, but I'm actually a Floridian. Uh, my um, I started out, uh, you know, playing football and loving sports and played a little college football in South Georgia at Valdosta State and then moved back to Tallahassee and uh, got my degree in physical therapy, worked with brain-injured children for a few years um, as a physical therapist and then went back and got my Ph.D. in neuroscience. Moved on from there to uh, take a position uh, at Emory University uh, in uh, Atlanta, Georgia, where I worked in their emergency medicine department for several years. And then I came back home to Florida State, uh, became one of the year one uh, course directors of the medical school there, did that for eight or nine years. And now I'm uh, absolutely passionate about trying to find uh, new medical, pharmaceutical, biocidical cures for uh, traumatic brain injury from severe to mild, mild actually being uh, what we commonly know as concussion, and then working with other uh, sort of rare disorders uh, that are tend to be lethal or certainly high mortality in children that have uh, rare brain disorders. So happy to be on and absolutely a uh, big football fan and a uh, huge fan of, of trying to find solutions for anything that has to do with with brain and spinal cord disorders. Well, we're going to really get into that, especially based on what happened yesterday in pro football. That that will certainly come up in our conversation. Um, yep. But, Marcy, um, I, I'd be interested to know, so he, here you are, two people sort of in, this, in a similar um, world. It sounds like children is an important aspect that binds the two of you. But how did how did you meet? How how did you how did you and Jake get to meet each other? Well, you know, I look at that as kind of a very fortuitous event that we really had nothing to do with. It was kind of like the universe moving in that direction. But it really started with the fact that I was working with a company that had some um, holistic type products. And my close friend and and um, advisor, Dr. David Lee, a neurosurgeon in Hattiesburg, said, you know, these these are great, and um, I think we need to have you talk with Brett Favre. So I had the chance, which was my lifelong dream, because I, too, am a football fanatic. I said, no kidding. How soon can we do it? Well, tomorrow night. So I got on a plane and flew to Hattiesburg to have dinner with David and Brett. And it went really well, and it was because of that dinner that Brett, who had uh, invested and really strongly supported Jake and Prevagus, um, introduced us to Jake, and that's how Jake and I met. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's a cool story. Do you have anything to add to that, Jake? I mean, that's, that's pretty that's, that's cool. Yeah, well, you know, I've became friends with Brett several years back um, through uh, David Lee as well, the neurosurgeon, and Brett and I kind of hit off a both from the country uh, redneck type of friendship as well as a, uh, you know, trying to solve and try to protect football for the future, uh, especially in youth, trying to find whether it's better helmets or better treatments in kids and how do we make sure that the NFL is going to be able to have a pipeline of players and 
you know, Brett being very concerned about his grandkids playing, Brett having had his last play with a concussion and we just we became more than just business colleagues. We became buddies and then from there of course Brett hears this uh from David and when he meets Marcy and says, Hey, you gotta talk to Jake and the next thing I know we're trying to find a new solution which is not just to treat a concussion but to try to prevent a concussion with a treatment that that you can take before the game and that's sort of where we're at we've got uh, we're trying to create a solutions-based company where not only have you had one but if you know you're at risk for having one why not go ahead and have a neuro-anti-inflammatory on board in your brain so that's kind of where marcy brought a good product in i did the due diligence on it me and marcy have worked together to get that uh, close to manufacturing it and look to start selling it and making it available uh, for kids and elderly at risk for falls and military across the country by the middle of February. So we're excited. Oh, my gosh. You know, that, that, that made me actually hold my breath when you said that because we're, we are going to be talking about sports. We're, we're going to be talking about what happened at the Eagle game yesterday. But – I'm never going to play football. Um, I'm probably not going to get on a skateboard. But trust me, I think about falling all the time. I am conscious when I go to Dodger Stadium on those on those cement stairs that I hold on. Doesn't matter if I've got a bag on my shoulder or whatever. And I know that you're not supposed to look straight down. That your head is heavy and it can kind of help you fall. But I am I I am very diligent about not wanting to fall for the reasons that you just talked about. And this uh, treatment that you're talking about sounds really fascinating, and we're going to get more into that as the show goes on. But that's that's tremendously um, encouraging. Uh, Marcy, I wanted to ask you, you had mentioned that you've, you've, you've been in this medical world for quite some time. In in starting your spine, Mark, and I, I want to spell for people that that Mark is a capital N. It's S P I N, no space M A R K, and that people can find you at spinemark.com to learn more about you. You have a really wonderful website, I might add, because I I of course um, have that up in front of me right now, and it's it's really pretty cool. Um, but what I'd like to know is what was the inspiration for starting this this spine, Mark? Well, you know, it's it really came out of my work with the craniofacial children and the nonprofit I created for them uh, that, you know, went to fulfill a mission to bring these children to the light, so to speak. Um, and when I had completed my work with that, not that it's ever done, uh, you know, I, I fell into the field of pain and uh, orthopedics and spine because there's 1.8 billion people disabled by back pain and there's an you know an equally large number of patients suffering from neurological uh, neurostem central nervous system problems so i formed spinemark as a patient advocacy organization a treatment resource organization and a research entity to advance new and innovative treatments uh, to come to market sooner not, rather than later to help patients. That was the that's the inspiration in and of itself. Hmm. It's really so interesting because I don't know anybody that's listening to this that doesn't either have back pain 
for whatever reason, osteoporosis, depending upon their age, or as a 40-something-year-old, my son, that that suffer from pain. And pain is so debilitating. And some of the ways that are being treated for pain will probably go against perhaps some of the treatments that you might prescribe for people and suggest that people do. Um, we we all know um, the devastating effects of opiates, and yet yes. they are prescribed. And um, even steroids, they are prescribed. And, yes. And, and the side effects can change your life. And, they can um, devastate it. Can, it. They, they, let me ask you both. I, I'm just curious. This is now and this is on a personal level. Do you believe this is certainly I, I'm taking us off, off another direction just for a moment. But do you believe in your experience that opiates in particular can actually rewire your brain? Well, I think anything that can cause, um, that has withdrawal can rewire the central nervous system. Anytime that you're on an opiate for an extended period of time, I think Mm -hmm. there's been a a alteration in it. I think that's kind of commonplace. And with that said, if if you're in severe pain and you need an opioid, uh, whether it be Percocet or Dilaudid or whatever, there are Mm -hmm. certain situations where those things are very important to healthcare. Mm -hmm. So it's not right. to throw the baby out with the bathwater here. It's, it's a the abuse that occurs. Right. Um, now, I mean, my my wife three years ago had shigellosis, which is classic dysentery. It was a small epidemic in the U.S. She ha- We happened to be in Nevada. She got it. She had 10 ovarian cysts. We had no idea. She was throwing up so bad. Ten, nine of her 10 cysts ruptured. You've never seen a human being in so much pain in your life. Without Dilaudid, she would have not been able to tolerate it. She would have been in, mm-hmm. in just in a calm. It was unbelievable. So there are certain mm-hmm. times where we need it. Okay. But that's my point is, but, yes, any time that you see a withdrawal effect, certainly that, is having a, that, that could have a marked mark effect on the central nervous system. Interesting. Well, you yourself, my friend. Go ahead, Marcy. You wanted to add something to that. No, no. I was just going to say I want to echo what what Jake is saying because in my experience in this field now for over many, 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 many years, there are patients that, you know, need it. And if you treat them with it, they actually get through the moment of the pain, just like with the story with Jake's wife. They don't Mm -hmm. become addicted. They don't necessarily Mm – lose their life but you know it helped them so in those cases it's legitimate it's the one absolutely don't use it for that absolutely if you give a per if you give a percocet every four to six hours for 48 hours that individual will have to come down for two days off that medicine and they will be anxious their heart rate will be up there will be significant Mm -hmm. changes and dysfunction in that individual on the come down Mm -hmm. from that drug even if they're yep. only for 48 hours. So, I mean, yeah. they're, they're definitely not something that it's, it is situational and it should be mm-hmm. acute, and that's where it should be and nowhere nowhere else. Now, people right. who are in chronic pain, uh, you know, I get chronic pain in a sense. My mother has had chronic pain and been debilitated for 25 years from, from uh, ankylosing spondylitis. I get the pain that she's in. 
but she won't stay on those drugs because of the way it makes her feel when she's coming off of them. Yes. So certain people understand that, that the withdrawal is worse than the get. So it's yes. very variable. It's a very difficult yes. question to really answer. I, I'm sure it is, and it's it's probably very individual too. But speaking mm-hmm. of just situations in one's life, you had uh-huh. quite the situation some 20 years ago, Jake, and I, I think it would be – it would be very interesting to hear what happened to you and, and the result of that because it obviously has played a huge impact in your life. I'd like you to share that story. Well, I'm glad to share it. I, I kind of pick and choose when I do. I don't want people to think that I did this because of that because I just love brain science, and I don't want people to think that I'm using this to try to influence my business. I literally was – I understand. I was 20 – I was 21 years old. I, my older brother had just been accepted to the University of Florida's med school, and uh, me and a handful of friends helped him. You know, we got our hillbilly trucks, and we loaded his furniture down there to his little one-bedroom apartment, and we all crashed on the floor. And um, the first night we got there, we, we were all of age, and we drank a bunch of beer and had a good time. And the next day, we were all kind of haggard, and we went and played a round of golf. Uh, none of us were very good at golf, so as you can imagine, it was a long day in the heat in August in Gainesville. Uh, <laughs> we went to a hamburger joint that night, a hamburger joint that actually did serve alcohol. It had dartboards and some pool tables. Uh, it was called the Purple Porpoise, which was near uh, campus in Gainesville, near, near the University of Florida's campus. And... Um, I don't know, 9 o'clock, I guess they were closing down, 9.30, uh, and we were all walking out, and I had to go to the bathroom, so I went to the bathroom, and all my other six friends, including my brother, went ahead of me out into the parking lot. Unfortunately, I was the last one that walked out, and there was a vagrant that blindsided me, never met him, never seen him. He had not been in the restaurant at all. He'd actually been on house arrest for accosting a uh, police officer the week before, albeit I didn't know at that time. I just learned this later. But I hit my head on the curb when I uh, when he dropped me with a blindsided left jaw shot, and I had three hemorrhages in my brain. Didn't know at the time. They took me to Shan's Hospital, which is obviously a you know world-renowned hospital, uh, but because some of my friends had been drinking. Uh, they didn't even give me a CAT scan, and they sent me home. So we're back in the one-bedroom apartment, and I'm sleeping on the floor. We've got a mattress in there for my brother, and I was sleeping next to him. And the next day, everybody got up to go home, and I said, I just can't drive. I'll go home tomorrow. And uh, my brain continued to swell. Unfortunately, my brother had a, a med school orientation thing or something that evening, uh, but he had had his phone um, turned on and it was back when you had, you know, the, a receiver and a, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> this is night. This is August of '95. We didn't have mm-hmm. cell phones yet. So, uh, mm-hmm. so the phone rang and I was on the floor at this point and I answered the phone and it was my dad and uh, I could no longer speak. I was jumbled because my brain had swelled so much on the left side that my speech language centers were messed up. So he, he called a friend of his who uh, had been in the Marine Corps with him down there who uh, he gave him the address and he broke, uh, knocked through the window and picked me up and uh, took me back to Alachua General Hospital. 
and uh, they did a CAT scan and saw I had three bleeds and was about to die. And they put me on Decadron, which is a drug in clinical trials back then, which ended up not being passed. It saved my life. I didn't even have to be have a shunt. I spent a couple of weeks in ICU. I had amnesia for two years and seizures. And miraculously, I, I got everything back. Um, and just a miracle. Uh, so, you know, in the wrong place at the wrong time. Glad I answered that phone call. My dad and what he did saved my life. No kidding. No kidding. Uh, you know, you, I guess we'll just never know what prompted your dad to call just to be calling. And thank, right. thank, thank God that he did. So this really did impact your life. I, I would imagine that you couldn't really do school very well at this point, and yet obviously you you went on. Yeah. To, to, Believe it or not, I went back to school after a few months. Um, my mom and my grandma, I couldn't drive, I wasn't allowed to drive with the seizures, but they would take me and drop me off. And I ended up, uh, I got into physical therapy school and I actually ended up being the valedictorian uh, of the class and not to brag about that, but simply because Mm -hmm. I I get these, you know, I've been on admissions for med school for years and, and everybody wants people. I mean, there are so many good kids out there that want a chance to be successful and it's so hard to separate, uh, you know, it's a very competitive world. And my advice to everybody is always the same from what I learned, which is, look, I'm everybody thinks I'm smart. I'm not that smart. I'm no dummy, but I'm not that smart. I mean, and I say, look, the reason that I did well is because I had a brain injury. And when everybody else was reading it once, I had amnesia. I read it three times. And I try to tell kids, look, you want to be different. You want to separate yourself. Read it another time. Read it one more time, you know, and that way you know you're going to get it right. And so it taught me how to study. It taught me how to learn. It it taught me how to not quit. It it just by having it, when you have amnesia for two years, it's an incredible experience of how to stay in reality. And it can end up when you get it back by the grace of God be one of the best things, if not the best thing that ever happened to me in my life. Based on what I know about you and the fact that you can discuss it this way is pretty remarkable. And I I I can see where, you know, how how to how to study, how to learn, how not to quit and how to stay in reality. I can really appreciate why you were able to say that now. Um, you didn't know going through it that you would really ever get no. your memory back, did you? No. No, I yeah. actually had a, I had a, my neurosurgeon um, in Tallahassee told me uh, I was about 16 months post, and I said, yeah, because I'd lost my sense of smell. And it really isn't that you lose your total sense of smell, and it does come back. It's just mm-hmm. everything smells like gasoline. It, every, I mean, you could smell perfume Ooh. or you could smell gas. It all smells the damn thing. You still smell. You just smell nothing. You can't discriminate. And so when I when I got to him and I said, look, I don't care if I ever smell again. I don't care if I have seizures every day or other day. I just cannot stand not having my memory. And he goes, it, usually whatever you get back within 18 months to two years is what you'll be. 
and I was had moved back home with my parents, um, and uh, you know, through all this, and I can remember I, we we had a little upstairs loft, and I and I lived in sort of the back room. My brothers had been when we grew up together lived in the other two, and uh, I can remember walking out of my room in the morning, heading to the bathroom. And we had a little balcony that overlooked the living room, and I knew I was back. Oh. I knew. I can tell you the second everything at that moment, I knew I was back, and wow. I was cured. I was it was it was back, and it just, it yeah. is just I, I can't. I, and look, I'm not a real religious guy. I don't mean it that way. I just knew right then when I woke up that morning and I walked out of that room, I could tell you, I could see it vividly, that my mind was back. Wow. It was back. Had you ever heard that story before, Marcy? No, not to that detail at all. Wow, that's really fascinating. Well, let me ask you this, because I think it's really important. I appreciate the stories, and now I want to get into the details. And for, for those of us that don't know, could you please – now I, I'm coming to your expertise here, sir. So could you please sure. define – and I don't know which comes first, the the the, the chicken or the egg, what a concussion is <laughs> and what a TBI is. So let's start with the word concussion. And let, and will right. you tell me, what's the, what's, the, what's the order? Well, let's keep it simple. Um, yes. Look, there's severe, there's moderate, and there's mild traumatic brain injury. People try to tease concussion out of mild traumatic brain injury, but a concussion is a mild traumatic brain injury. And it's if a you moderate. have multiple, mo- right? Moderate okay. is when you get to, yeah, moderate is when you get to a scale below, like short-term amnesia that is chronic, things like that. There's a lot of things about a moderate. A moderate always tends to have a bleed. You tend to see a hematoma or swelling in the brain on an imaging, on standard imaging. Mild traumatic brain injury or concussion, new imaging is starting to show some sort of specific aerial swelling. But it's not near the risk of having what one would call a transdentorial herniation where you can actually put pressure on the brainstem and and an individual can stop breathing and die. The only way that you die from a concussion is if a mild traumatic brain injury, if you have back-to-back mild traumatic brain injuries that leads to a bleed. And at that point, you can you can die of what's called second impact syndrome. And that's what you've seen in some of these high school athletes over the last several years. Um, okay. So it, well, it's a little confusing. Mild is concussion, moderate and severe, different degrees. And it usually has to do with the level of what's called intracranial pressure in the brain. And the higher that pressure, the, the higher the mortality rate. And obviously the higher the, the, the less likelihood of, of uh recovering function as well. Yes. Well it certainly is a serious subject and you've started your company Prevacus. I'm going to spell that for people that are listening. It's spelled P-R-E-V, like victory, A-C-U-S. And you can also find your website at Prevacus.com. Tell me a little bit about your company. 
Well, we're C Corp out of Delaware. Um, we're uh, headquartered in Tallahassee, Florida. Uh, we're extremely virtual at this point. In other words, we're we contract out most of any lab work or clinical trial work. Um, Prevacus is uh, by nature a pharmaceutical company that is developing the first nasal application to treat concussion acutely. Uh, we have patents all over the world. Uh, we are 380-fold safe when given nasally. Tylenol is only 100. Uh, we have passed all the toxicology uh, safety margin. We've done all the preclinical efficacy, improving memory in half the time, reducing depression anxiety associated with head injury completely in our animal models, and improving balance and motor activity within half the time. So it's a very good drug. It works through DNA amplification. So it's one drug that simulates the DNA in your brain cells and activates the production of a protein that kicks fluid off the brain, the production of a protein that reduces inflammation, and the production of a protein that reduces oxidative stress. So it's one drug, but it works like a cocktail of drugs because it's actually reducing three of the key pathological uh, elements uh, following a, uh, a, a concussion. Um, so we're we're excited. We we know it's safe. We know we can get it there in less than five minutes. We know you can take it twice a day for 14 days. Uh, we're confident that it'll be in your brain uh, throughout every region of your brain in less than 30 minutes. Our metabolic panel shows that 92% of that drug is actually chewed up or metabolized in your brain, so it's not affecting other parts of your body. Uh, and we've got a good uh, nasal application that we believe, uh, you know, will will help it be feel deliverable. Easier to do it when you're giving it nasally versus trying to get somebody to swallow something uh, so anybody can administer it. And uh, we've done three years of stability tests at 125 degrees plus. So if you're on, in the battlefield at over 125 degrees on a hot football field, it's just as efficacious. There's no breakdown of our of our pharmaceutical, so it is there for high temperature environments as well. Uh, so we we thought ahead, we battled through it, um, and then we've added recently a bioceutical that you put over the carotid artery on the anterior part of your neck uh, to uh, get a small neuroanti-inflammatory in your brain before you're at risk. Uh, and is that, that the would be the That's the transdermal cream. That's pre-saw okay. MD, the transdermal cream, yep. So elderly falls. I mean, the number one cause of death in elderly falls is brain injury. That'll yeah. always be what it is. That's never going to change. Yeah. I mean, you know, the number one cause of learning disabilities uh, after the age of 10 is from head injury in kids. I mean, there's just so many things associated with head injury that if you already had something on board, that might could attack that acute cascade. So that's what we're doing. Uh, and obviously the military is important to, to us. My dad was a colonel in the Marines. Um, I was, my uncle I was named after who was killed at Guadalcanal. We're, we're a big military family. We've got a lot of good military connections. We love love the veterans as well. So we're, mm-hmm. we're committed to getting this out there sooner than later. We hope that it starts being in folks' hands on February the 15th as a prophylactic. Probably got about oh, two wonderful. years left for the nasal. 
probably about two years left to get the nasal treatment out there. We have success with the FDA. Um, so those are the, the head injury parts. So again, we're we're working on some rare disorders and kid brain disorders as well. But wonderful. Yes. Yeah, so, wonderful. Yep. That's wonderful. But, but, so go ahead, Marcy, please. I was just gonna say pre-sol MD LLC is the company. The product name for the pre concussion cream the pre contact sport cream is pre V Pro, just so we can differentiate that. Okay. Thank you. Yes, so that's the cream. So I guess what, what occurs to, and is and is that what's gonna be available on the fifteenth? What's gonna be available in February? The cream? The, the cream. Pre V Pro. And and so will people and that's you use the cream as a preventative. Is that am I correct. right or am I wrong about that? It's a preventative. You're correct. It's a preventative. Okay, so every pediatrician should know about this. Every hospital, yep. every, every, everyone should know about this. Is this going to be something that's over the counter that people that, that have yes. children playing sports should have in their homes? Yes. Yes. Oh, yes. Gosh. Yes. Yes. I'll tell you what we'll do because here we are. We're on the sixth of January. Because we do have this connection, I can assure you that once that has happened, I will want to know about that, and I will certainly rebroadcast that information to the the people that are listening today so that they know how they can go about getting this because it is it's such a serious um conversation um and there probably isn't anybody whether i mean it sounds like every senior citizen should have it in their household. And um, yes. every parent that has a kid, whether it's not just football, it's hockey, it could be wrestling, it could be, it could be any sport, it could be gymnastics, right? I mean, it doesn't really matter the sport. If your head's involved, your head's involved. It could be horseback jumping. Who? I mean, you know, I the the, yeah. the application is is just enormous. I I think that what you've done here, um, Jake, is just it's phenomenal. I, I, I'm just I'm so thrilled to be able to even have this conversation with you about this. And and Marcy, when when you talk about this collaboration, this must be what what, what does that feel about? How does that feel for you to be part of this 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 collaboration with Prevacus and Spinemark? Well, it, it, it's destiny because I I am so passionate when it comes to what Jake's trying to do and the people and the patients, the children, the elderly, that uh, the athletes, pro and, and amateur, that it will help. That it was, for me, it was like when I first got involved with craniofacial surgery and I could see the results of what would happen from the work we were trying to do to help these children and their families and connecting them with the right doctors. And, and so I felt when I met Jake, I thought this is where I want to put all of my efforts as much as possible to help bring these products to market and be part of that moment and that 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 remedy, that cure, that that solution to these traumatic brain injuries and concussions in children and adults. And Marsha, yeah. I'll add that you know we brought SpineMark on to run the clinical trials, the safety studies for the cream. We've done that in six to 18-year-olds um, uh, in, in multiple different trials that we've done and had no adverse effects. And we did that 
with the support of the NFL Players Association. So Marcy spearheaded all of the, the safety trials for the cream, and there has not been one adverse effect. So I'm confident to tell any parent or any any child who's taking care of their elderly parents, this is a very safe product and one that I can assure you is going to peak in the brain at two hours and last for six. So after six hours, you're probably not going to get the effect, so you may have to re-administer. But it will peak at two, it will last for six hours, and it will be in your elderly or your child's brain in less than 30 minutes. So So do you literally just take this cream and just like you're shampooing your hair and just rub it into your scalp? Is that how you use it? How do you apply it? No, you put it – so think of a, a man's Adam's apple. And then, so okay. the trachea, right? Okay. So go right to the right and right to the left of the trachea, whether it be a woman or a man, and put it right in that crease. And all you got to do is take a little bit on your index finger, rub it on the left side of the trachea, then take a little bit and rub it on the right. And in less than 30 minutes, that small anti-inflammatory will be in your brain. I promise. Right. And And it will be working. Yep. Wow. I'm so glad I asked you that because... I, I since I don't know anything about this, and I'm thinking, well, if it goes to your brain, obviously you got to put it on your head. No, there's nothing that interrupts being on your neck on either side of your. I'm, what am I doing? I'm putting my thumb there now, um, on either side of your trachea. That that's remarkable. That really, <coughs> excuse me. That is just that is just amazing to me. I'm I'm so glad that you told me that that's how the application. As far as the nasal spray, that's still in the works, correct? You see yeah, that about works. two years we've, out. We've got, yeah. yeah, we've got all the drug GMP certified, which uh-huh. folks listening understand that that means that it's good, good manufacturing practices. It's sure. ready. It can go in a human anywhere in the world, but it has to go in a human in a clinical trial. We've got the phase one trial protocols and everything set up uh, but we've we've got to get a little bit further down the line maybe sure maybe six weeks further to get it started makes, that makes total sense so as as we as i had mentioned at the top of the hour yesterday was a pretty dramatic day if you say you're both football fans my son was born yes. in, my son-in-law was born in philadelphia he he's a fly eagles fly guy and um, it was a pretty devastating end to that game yesterday with their quarterback and a head-on-head, um, you know, collision. Um, I, I, I don't know what his results were today. It didn't didn't look promising for him, did it? Do you happen to know his status? You know, I actually I, I saw it. I saw the play. I saw the hit in the back of the head. I think mm-hmm. that if you look traditionally. Uh, I think it's underrated hitting the turf. It's probably just as likely, if not more, than a head-to-head as far as getting a concussion. The back of the head tends to be more visual issues, so you get double vision or you get what's called an astagmus that can happen with that. So you tend to see it's easier to diagnose it a lot of times when it's a hit on the back of the head because it's easy to diagnose a visual issue associated with concussion. So once they've diagnosed it, because it was an obvious visual issue, he's not going back in. So if he'd got hit in the side of the head and went and had a visual issue, maybe tougher to diagnose, he probably still plays in that game. 
um, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. So it's where you get hit in the head sometimes matters on how easy it is to diagnose it clinically in the acute phase, and I think that's probably what happened. That's a guess, uh, and I certainly hadn't looked it up, but uh, um, mm-hmm. it looked like he, his major impact was to the back of the head, and then he had his face mask straight into the ground, which kicked the back of the head back against the skull. So he almost got a double uh occipital impact, back of the head impact of his brain, which meant he probably had double vision or visual issues associated, and that made it easier to diagnose and hard to hard hard to walk away from as a, as a physician to let him back in for sure. Yeah, I bet. Well, what are the short? Well, tell me about the short and long term effects of um, TBI. Well, you know. How, how do we how do we look at that subject? Well, obviously, looking at take the severity out of it and just talk about concussion, short and long term. Okay. So okay, so if you kind of look at um, concussion, let's just keep it at mild traumatic brain injury concussion. You tend to see about fifteen percent of concussed patients have chronic issues. About eighty five percent get better and they get better within 14 days now there's symptoms in that first 14 days may wax and wane you may take two days for them to get real dizzy and start throwing up they may start throwing up the first day they may have Mm -hmm. some memory issues at seven days they may not have until nine days so there's a lot of variability and that's the issue with concussion there's so much heterogeneity in concussion it's really hard to kind of pinpoint how you're going to treat it you know you got Mm -hmm. dizziness balance you got headaches, and you got memory issues. So how are we treating all that? Well, that's how we took into the aspect, how do we create one drug that works like a cocktail of drugs to try to hit all of the pathology, and that was one of our goals. And then how do we get it there quick, nasally, on the field of play? Let's get it there quick so it can start working. But with that said, when you look at it, most people, 85%, are going to get better within the first 14 days. Now, with that said, of those 85% that are going to get better, sometimes if they exercise too much early, it'll take them longer. Sometimes Mm -hmm. if they go back to school or read their iPads or get on the computer and do all this cognitive syncing too early, it'll take them longer, right? Mm -hmm. But at 30 days, post-head injury, post-concussion, 30 days, in our world, in the United States, you tend to get a diagnosis of what is called post-concussion syndrome. If you still got these symptoms, headache, balance, memory issues, nausea, you've got post-concussion syndrome. They're pretty much going to say you could have these issues for another day. You could have them for another 10 years. You don't know. All right? Now, dsm 4 by definition, is post-concussion syndromes after 90 days. But in our world, after 30 days, we say, hey, you're probably going to have some chronic issues. What are we going to do about it? So what are those chronic issues? that you really got to be concerned about it, especially if you're a parent, because that's what matters to me. I'm a parent. All right, Mm -hmm. learning disability. These kids develop attention deficit disorder. They develop learning disability. They develop clumsiness. They become aggressive. They become impulsive. They have a lack of processing speed. They're repeating themselves time and time again. There's so many things that a youth, adolescent, or a young kid can have associated with a head injury 
is so much different than an adult, and it's gender specific. I mean, oh. in general, men are special. In general, in general, men are special, and women are. Oh, temporal. I don't know about that, Marcy. What You're, do you think? Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Y'all know what time I'm supposed to be there. But you guys couldn't figure out where to lay the plants out in a flower garden to save your lives. You need help, I promise. Okay. We're just we're just gonna let that uh, pass. Go right ahead. <laughs> the point is is that you're always hit hardest for what you are. So if you're somebody who already had ADHD, it's gonna get worse. If you're a female and you're temporally based, your timing's gonna be off. All right. If you're a male, your spatial uh, obligation to the world is gonna be different. So it's going to be based on sex. It's going to be based on age, what this symptomology looks like. But in general, back to your question, 15% of people end up with post-concussion syndrome, and that diagnosis is usually made 30 days late, 30 days after the head injury. Most people, 85%, will get better within 14 days, albeit within those 14 days their symptoms may wax and wane. Sure. So let me ask you this, Marcy. Um, Based that you you do like sports, is there a particular sport that is more likely to have an incident of concussion over another? Well, certainly any of the sports, um, and of course the you know we can talk about football um, as as one of the biggest ones because of the contacts from the hits. Mm-hmm. But any sport that involves football, whether it's in children or adults, um, you know. Ice hockey, cheerleading, I've been told, is a big one for, for young girls. Volleyball, hmm. you know, you know, track, uh, you name it. Um, those have a higher tendency to create concussion injuries in the youth. And so, you know, we, we have to know that. And I think many of these organizations, and particularly with um, what Jake's been trying to bring to market with Brett's help and Brett's influence in getting this message out to families that there are there are solutions, there are treatments, but we also have to be aware of you know what what is happening in the industry and why it, we we want to prevent all of the issues of post concussion syndrome if we can. No kidding, That's, I I would think so. When so when you when what advice I'm just curious what would, what advice would you give parents concerning the the risks right now um, with concussions? Well, if if you were talking to the little league or the pop Warner league or the high school football team or water polo or whatever it is, what what advice if you had a group of parents in front of you, what would you say to them? Well, when I when I was talking with them with the safety study, and really, Jake, you you jump in here because this is more this is your bailiwick, very high level. Go ahead. I'm glad, glad to give my opinion on it. Go ahead. Um, Go ahead. Back to, to the to the stats uh, to add to what Marcy said is, you get a lot per ratio of player uh, female youth soccer is the highest um, concussion rate. Uh, female youth soccer. For, yeah. Yeah, you, you, yeah, female youth soccer. Female volleyball is not actually ninth. Female youth volleyball is actually ninth. I mean, you can see the read these stats all you want. There's actually, in, I think, in the middle of next month, they come out with a 10-year study on this. I, I'm privy or have been privy to those stats, so I, I don't want to 
tell on these people what they found. So I'll, I'll probably leave it alone. But in general, mm-hmm. per per number of players, the uh, uh, ratio of concussions is highest in female youth soccer, uh, and that's pretty much across the board. Now, I'll give you an example of that because it's high in, in youth male soccer too. My son was on the Gold Club, big travel club for Warner Soccer in Florida. He was the striker. Awesome. I mean, bad to the bone. Of course, I love him, and I'm, I'm <laughs> he's my son. But uh, with that said, um, he was the baby on the team. He was 10, and everybody else was 11. And that year, they came up with a law in Florida that you couldn't head as a youth, uh, as a male youth soccer player. You couldn't head to if you weren't 11 years old. So he was going to have to play travel soccer and, and never play. And he came to me and he said, Dad, I, I just I don't want to go travel all over this and practice and do all this and not get to play. And I said, son, I don't blame you. So he hadn't played soccer since. He's only he's going on 13. So we play basketball now. So the point is that it does affect how parents, you know, what happens to how they, they let their kids do what they do. Uh, but with that said, I think the, the other question after the, the statistics was what would my advice be to a parent? Uh, yes. It's pretty easy. It's pretty easy to me. Uh, I mean, there, look, some kids are bigger than others. That's always going to be the case. I certainly mm-hmm. wouldn't let my kid, any of my kids, play and uh, tackle football uh, where you know you're at risk for bang-bang injuries at every play, whether you're on the offensive line or running back or quarterback, until they were 12. I, I mean, I've spoke out for legislature and states across the country on that. There's just no mm-hmm. reason for it. Um, that, that's also a pivotal year where they're going into middle school. Um, so you've got this chance at 12 to say, hey, is my kid big enough to try out for middle school? All right, if he's not, don't play him. Wait till he's 14, mm-hmm. see how he grows in the middle school years. And then maybe his last year, his eighth grade year, let him play because he's gotten bigger. And he's going to have less impact and not, you know, and have less risk of head injury. And then he rolls in from his eighth grade year into high school. And at that point, I'm certainly going to let my kids play tackle football when they're 14 years old, 15 years old in high school. I mean, to be honest with you, about 80% of kids quit playing tackle football when they turn 15. Uh, People don't tend to, kids don't tend to continue to want to play football as they enter high school, it's kind of a, they, they kind of get weeded out their interest in it during the middle school years. So okay. if I had a smaller child at the age of 12, no way he plays. Wait till he's in eighth grade. He's gotten bigger. He's going to be bigger because he's older. And then let him play at that point and then move into high school if he's really interested in it. If he's not, you know what? He ain't going to play college football or NFL most likely anyway. Focus on getting mm-hmm. his grades and getting the scholarship to Stanford or something. I mean, come on. There you go. What's the point? <laughs> that's, I mean, that's that's interesting. So when you talk about the female youth soccer as being the highest ratio for concussion, for concussion my kids didn't play soccer. Mm-hmm. So is that because they do a lot of hitting the ball with their head? Is is that what 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 is it about soccer? Well, it's per number, right? I mean, there's still going to be a lot more people playing football than female soccer, all right? So the number total number is a lot less. But per uh, per the number of people on a team or in the league, there's a lot more. Now, so the theory is this, that female the female neck, especially during youth, as the head is growing faster than the body, 
has a weaker neck, and therefore there's more likely that they will have a whiplash injury, whether that's with a header or getting bumped, knocked on the ground, whatever it may be, that they're going to have a high, more high likelihood to have a whiplash injury because of a weaker neck. Wow. That's it. Okay. That, that's uh, thank you. Go ahead, Marcy. No, and that's that's what the mission um, that we want to bring is the knowledge of what all of these injuries come from and the statistics, but even more importantly, creating parental education programs so that we can help them understand how to know that your child's had a concussion. What are the some of the ramifications? And and to that extent, Jake and I have been talking about putting a foundation together under Prevacus oh, yes. as a nonprofit to help parents and the and 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 patients with educational programs and financial assistance to help them get to the right places if they have a concussion. Right. Now, if you've got a prophylactic on board, if you've got a nasal treatment after the fact, if you've got a better helmet as we continue to, to you know, all of those together can help be part of the solution. But you can look right. at a youth, you can look at youth, you know, body symmetry and tell, and I could tell you nine times out of ten who's more at risk for a concussion than the next person sitting <laughs> next to them. I mean, if you've got a tall, lanky girl with a larger head, you know, and she's 12, good Lord. I mean, yes, mm-hmm. they're at extreme risk for a head injury. There's just no doubt about it. I mean, you know, now they may avoid it. They may not be athletic. They may not play. They may not be, you know, involved. They may be timid. They're, but if they're aggressive and good athletes, they're even more likely to to Right. That's, you know, I I I forget because I I just forget this that you know how the the significance of the neck because obviously I guess if you think about it that where does the head sit um, that that whiplash you know I hadn't I right. hadn't thought about that. Um, that that's I, I mean so you know we we've been concentrating on sports but in reality we all drive cars and you hear about somebody getting rear ended and what do you get oh maybe you got a whiplash I it's wouldn't have, not I wouldn't have, the number one cause of concussion in the United States of America I presume worldwide is car accidents hundred percent right and a large percent of them they never even hit their head it's completely whiplash. They don't hit the steering wheel. I mean, that's just a whiplash injury from a rear end. Or you can get it from being the person that rear-ended somebody else <laughs> the same way. Yeah, you could be the but receiver yeah. or the giver, right? I mean, or the you giver, hit somebody. Right? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You know, I've been both in my time. Yeah, I, I've actually been hit myself. I guess there's probably a lot of us that, that would um, would speak to that. Um, gosh, this has been so informative, and uh, there's there's so much that you're doing, and and I just I want to go back because I wasn't aware that you were considering this foundation. Can you tell me a little bit more about what you would like to do? Is that is this in the works for you, Marcy? This the Prevacus Foundation? Yes, it is. Um, because you know, based on my history anyway, there's just so much synergy and there's so much need. We had a telephone conversation with a parent, and Jake, you'll remember this, um, a couple of weeks ago, who said, you know, we have to go all these places, we've got all these problems, my child has human pick disease, 
But nobody's ever written us a check to help us with anything, whether it was travel, food, lodging, or how to get to the right place. We have to do everything ourselves. And that just set off a thing in my brain saying, wow, we, this, this is important. Uh, when you hear this from the families, it's what drives the solution. Yeah, I think wow. a couple of things from a foundational level that we would be interested in or where we would focus is on clinical care where if you've got a kid that has a traumatic brain injury and needs physical therapy, uh, they need uh, uh, ADHD drugs, they need memory therapy, that we could create two or three places across each state where they could go right. get all of those therapies to try to mm. ease the burden on the family. And I think mm-hmm. these are the same centers as we continue to develop healthcare in, in the United States that we can put clinical trials in these centers for these specific conditions. In other words, if you've got ALS, that's a rare disorder, Lou Gehrig's disease. You've got neiman right. rare disorder. You've got, you know, severe brain injury, which is a little bit more severe, you know, but you can go to one place, get your physical therapy, get your medicines, get your, you know, EEG, get everything that you need in one place to the best that we can provide and also provide and pay for each of those patients and their parents to decide whether they want to be proxy for them to be a part of a clinical trial for a new drug that may help or extend their lives. And I think right. that's where our foundation would focus. I mean, let's just get down to it. Let's let's make it easy on the family, and let's give them opportunities for new drugs that might save their lives oh, or help their long lives. No kidding. And and that that resonates, you know, with exactly you know what the vision is for education for these families, identifying the centers where they'll receive the most appropriate care, be involved in advancing care, and and supporting them financially with some of the aspects of the cost so that they can get to those places. Right. It's not that hard. This this is a good model, a clinical mm-hmm. trial model with a multi-care center for right. disorders that otherwise, I mean, they don't get shit. Sorry. Yeah. No, no, no. no but, no, but, you, but you're, I mean, I'm not offended, but you, I, I the need I you know I could talk about this subject for such a long time we didn't get into CTE we didn't get into mm-hmm. suicide we didn't get into some of these mm-hmm. subjects where if you like I do have a personal friend whose football mm-hmm. son ultimately was a suicide ultimately right. did have his brain sent to Boston University ultimately was right. diagnosed with CTE. It's a devastation. Mm-hmm. You don't want to you don't want to yes. get to there. You want to hope that there's some entrepreneur out there right now that's building a better helmet. But in the meantime, whether I mean look at back in the day when Gordy Howe was playing hockey, they didn't even wear helmets in hockey. You know, I mean mm-hmm. they, they people wear rode bicycles. They didn't wear helmets when they wore bicycles. You 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 got a kid wearing a, a, a on a skateboard or riding a bicycle, whether he's a kid under eighteen or he's your twenty five year old son or daughter. You know darn well you want them to have a helmet on, um, yeah. and 
it, it's it's uh, it's epidemic and depending upon the circle that you run in. And so to think that you have these 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 drugs that are going to be available to help all ages. That's what I find so oh, inspiring and remarkable and exciting that you're going to be able to, just like you're going to have your bare aspirin and your Pepto-Bismol or whatever you keep in your house, this is something you're right. going to want to keep in your house. It's, right. it's, it's right. tremendous. I, I would like people to know that, um, as I had mentioned earlier, that people can absolutely get in touch with both of you through your websites. Your websites are very well organized. They're, the the spine mark is very simple. It's just spine mark, s p i n e mark dot com. Prevacus is p r p r e v a c u s dot com. They're easy to get to. You can meet the team. You can see what you're doing. And I just want to congratulate you for what you've done in this field it especially for you jake in the fact that how you came to become involved in this i mean you were sort of headed that way anyway but on such a personal level to know that you're making a difference for families and that you were fortunate enough to not um you you had i presume um did you have moderate is that what you would be called that you had you did did you or did you have severe I had severe, yeah. You did have the severe. I got, so that's all because yours lasted a couple of years. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I got real damn lucky, yeah. Yeah, you, know, you did. I could tell you a million stories, and I, and I would leave to say, look, it can happen like that. Mm-hmm. And you know what? We need to have it on board for for everybody's kids, most important, more than anything else, because you could get in a car wreck, fall off a skateboard. I've had friends that are permanently disabled from that. You could accidentally drop your child, getting 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 her or him out of the bathtub. I mean, yes. this brain injury is serious, and it can happen in a second. And well, you need to have something acutely ready. I'll tell you what I'd like to do um, this spring. Um, I'd like to revisit with the two of you, and and get a get a follow up to where you are. And and where you where and how people can get even more and more involved. I would really like to help promote that. Be not your spokesperson, but you know what I'm saying. I'd like to be able to sure. let people know what what they can do. In the meantime, they can certainly follow you on your website. But I think that starting this year out as my first show of the year was such an such an important topic. There isn't anybody listening that can't, that isn't touched by this. If you're breathing and walking. Of falling, whether it's you, your grandchild, your your mother, whomever, um, you you said accidents. I mean, who's not in a car? So uh, you know, I think that this is incredible, and I am anxious to hear about your foundation. And I just want to thank both of you so very much for taking the time out of your busy days to share what's so important with you with with my listeners. This has just been a wonderful show. Thank, thank you, you Marcia. Thank you, Marcy. Well, right. Thank you, You Dan. guys take care. Hey, well, yeah. glad, glad to be a part of it. You guys be good. You do the same. You I'm going to let you. It's you're you're on the East Coast. We're moving into evening time by you, and I just want to thank everybody for joining me today. And I just have to tell you, next week, so the brain sort of connected to next week in sort of a interesting way. It's all about dreams. 
And my guest is a dream analysis, and she's written a book about dreams. Her name is Patricia Eltinge. And she's really interesting because dreams are pretty interesting. So I encourage you all to to stay tuned for the for the show next week. But for now, I would like to say goodbye, Happy New Year, all the best health to all of you in this new year, and thanks once again for being on my show, you guys. It was certainly a pleasure. And goodbye for now. A pleasure. Thank thanks, you. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye.